Wow, I am recording this intro right after editing the episode, and you are absolutely going to love it. Christy Rolls is the founder of Full and Free Enneagram. She is a therapist, coach, and speaker, and our Type 6 special guest. Christy did an amazing job laying out the complexities of a Type 6 in such a practical and fun way. You will have such a greater understanding of this enneotype after listening. So the type six is our true loyalist. They are reliable, hardworking, and trustworthy. If you know a type six or have ever met one, you would most certainly notice how they are prepared for every situation. Because of their need to have security and safety, they have a tendency to be anxious and indecisive. At their best, they are responsible, committed, and excellent troubleshooters, making them some of our greatest team members and even leaders. Listen as we break down some of the key aspects of the Enneagram as they pertain to the loyalist. You will love hearing Christy's real-life examples as we discuss the strengths and the struggles of a type 6. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. really excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, get to know you a little bit, and hear more about a type six. Um, first, let's talk about you. I'd love for you to be able to introduce yourself and tell us more about you. Yeah, totally. So I um, currently live in Central Florida. I actually was born and raised okay. here and moved to Indiana for a while. I got my master's in mental health counseling while I was there. I worked at a treatment center and with teenage girls and their families. So I've done a lot of family work in my life and also worked with... Um, kids at a variety of ages, primarily teenagers. So um, that's been fun. And then about a year and a half ago, I moved back to Florida. My husband and I now live here. We're both entrepreneurs, which is very interesting, particularly as a six. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some time. But um, so that's what we do now. I do life coaching, Enneagram coaching and business coaching as well. And then my husband works in real estate. He's a nine. Um, Okay. So yeah, there's a, a little general intro. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. And so tell me how you discovered the Enneagram. Yeah, so um, while I was in grad school to become a therapist, I was also in therapy, which I've been, you know, been in and out of therapy. Thankfully, my family, it's never been a weird thing. And so I started therapy when I was young, when my parents were separating, and um, I've just kind of continued going back and forth throughout my life. And so I was in therapy for a while. Um, and my therapist and I were talking about wrapping up. Like we had really worked through a lot of things and I had learned to manage a lot and grow a lot and and felt healthy and strong in a lot of ways. But I remember when that final conversation came up, I said, but I'm still anxious (laughs) and Uh I can't get rid of my anxiety and it's not gone. And so I don't want to be done yet. And so, um, she said, why don't we look into the Enneagram? She had just recently okay. been into it and, yeah. um, was so powerful because I, at first I had listened to a podcast and, um, immediately knew that I was a six because I felt naked. Yeah. Like really weird. It was this weird blend of like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. I'm re- I, that feels relieving and comforting, but also right. totally freaked out because it like the people were describing me in ways that I didn't even know about myself. And I think that made me freak out a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's very revealing and very exposing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think for me too, with specifically related to the anxiety piece, it felt like chronic. It felt like a life sentence to my anxiety, which was so heartbreaking because that's what I was hoping to get rid of in therapy. 
So I think the next bit of my work was really coming to a place of like reckoning with that, that maybe this is something that I don't get rid of, you know, six is being the most anxious number on the Enneagram. I wanted to rid myself of that, but really instead it was more about coming to a place of understanding what triggers my anxiety and then Mm -hmm. how to manage it in a productive way rather than shame it. So I really had a long (laughs) journey with learning to re-relate with my anxiety um, since that time, which has been really healthy and good. So I found it then and I, I have calling it kind of fallen in love obviously since. Yeah, (laughs) very good. No, and that's great too, because we'll talk more about this, but I love, one of the things that I love most, I think about the Enneagram is how it differentiates from other typing systems. And once you can correctly type yourself, it then sets you on that journey of discovering um, your healthy side and discovering freedom and all of the things that that come along with it. So that's great that you've been able to do that and that that was part of your story. Yeah, and I think that, I think, one of the things that made me feel that felt daunting in the beginning was I didn't know that the Enneagram really allowed for so much transformation. I felt like I'm Mm. stuck in this number because that's how so many other personality systems work. But the Enneagram is really so fluid and allows you to say like, Oh no, this is a unhealthy me. This is me. I'm really thriving. And that allowed me to feel, I think more hopeful and also empowered that my life could be different. Um, right. And mine for me was my growth number. I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> so how do I, you know, manifest more of that in my life? So it's right. Very good. Very good. So I want you to describe to us in your words, what a type six is. Yeah. Besides anxiety, which you've mentioned, but tell us a little bit more in depth what a six is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things to a six. So that's always where my story begins because that was kind of how I found it. But I have really, finding the Enneagram has really been a journey of coming to love myself more because mm, that's good. I think, and I'm, I'm sure you'll relate with this as a one, that tendency to connect to the parts of ourselves we don't like and yes. become almost obsessed or fixated on those parts. And we don't yeah. pay attention to the parts of us that are amazing. And so for every part of our personalities types, regardless of what type you are, that there's a bad part or a part you don't like, Mm -hmm. the other side of that is really beautiful. So, you know, for the six that tends to be anxious, we also tend to be very protective of our people, of ourselves. We really want to think things through so that things are excellently done and executed. I know a lot of sixes who are event planners or um, you know, work in risk management or stats and right. they're so good at that. Our minds are so, um, active and critically thinking and yeah. see things from so many different perspectives. So, I mean, right. I've, I've always said I could, I could win an argument I didn't even care about <laughs> because I can, I, yeah, I could argue with myself. I'm like, well, on this hand, this, but on this hand, this. And so while that makes it difficult to make decisions, I also find myself really being, when I'm in a healthy space, being accepting of other people and embracing mm-hmm. them and advocating for them to use their voice and feel heard, right. which is really special. Sixes are incredibly loyal. Mm-hmm. It takes us a while to get sold on someone or an idea or something. We tend generally to be skeptics, but right. once we get sold, we go all in. And yeah. I think that's really important to remember too, that it would take a lot for us to end a relationship or to even quit a job. And sometimes we stay beyond when we probably 
what would be healthy for us because we are so loyal. So that's yeah. kind of the dance as well. Um, but sixes are hardworking. We are loving. We're affectionate. We tend to be funny people because it's mm-hmm. like, we're either going to laugh or cry <laughs> about <laughs> our fear about the world or what's going on. And right. so, yeah, there's so much to love about us. There really is. There really is. I'm pretty sure that my middle child is a six. Uh-huh. And it's so fun to see the dynamics. And like you were saying, there's that anxiety that builds up and walking through that with him as a 12 year old. But at the same time, when he's healthy and at his best, he is just so funny, yeah. so loving, so great to be around. So j- just like you said, loyal. One thing I love about sixes too is sixes when they're healthy, they're not only the best team members, but they can also be great leaders. Yes. They're very versatile. They, you, you'd have a six on your team and that's like your set. Yes. Like, give oh me a gosh. six. I, love that. <laughs> I have so many people say to me like, or ask me what type of, what numbers do I need on my team or what numbers do I need on my staff? And I'm like, okay, well, we need to look more in depth, but as long as you have a six, let's start there. Yes. <laughs> let's start with a six because six just really are, they're so loyal. They get it done. They pay attention to the details. They're there, like they come underneath people and build people up. It's just lots of great combinations. Yes. Oh my gosh. That makes me really happy (laughs) because (laughs) I do. That is one thing that I feel really proud of that sixes can be so collaborative, that we can be Mm -hmm. so um, team oriented and a win for the team is a win for us. And I think that's really beautiful because sometimes teams or egos, like this weird sort of competition can get fester in a team dynamic, but with sixes, it's like, know what's best for all of us. How do we gather together, rally together? And it really is about all winning. So if I need to step up and lead, oh, I'm so happy to do that. If I kind of sit back and you need to leave and and I can just support you, that's a win too. So um, yeah, I really love that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) So let's talk about motivation because as we both know, motivation is very key when it comes to the Enneagram. Um, a lot of times there are different types that can share behaviors, exterior behaviors, but it really comes down to what's motivating that. Why do we do what we do? So for a six, what is the motivation? Yeah, so there's a few things. Um, one, I mean, I mean, we talk a lot about security and stability and mm-hmm. those sort of things. And I think that's really that core desire that if we have that, then we won't experience our core, for, core fear, which is being alone. I think is really essential to sixes. And I don't know that we even always talk about that dynamic a lot, but that sense of um, being on our own in the world. I mean, all of our types have childhood messages, but one of the ones for the six that's really prominent is the world is a scary place and you may or may not have the resources you need to manage it. And so it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I hope I'm not by myself, you know? Um, And so sometimes that means physically, like some sixes, especially if they're dominant in the self-pres, instinct and that subtype, they tend to be really, they don't like to be physically alone. They just want to have company around them. Other, you know, instincts, maybe it's more emotionally. Like I don't want to be abandoned emotionally. My, my fear, you know, a lot of sixes, one of our core fears is also fear itself. So feeling scared, feeling anxious, feeling that alone is doubly terrifying. Um, because there is that inner message of like, I may not be able to handle it by myself. And if I'm with someone else, then I know that it'll be okay. Cause we can do that teamwork part. We can collaborate and strategize and figure anything out together. But on my own, it feels a lot scarier. So I think that 
there's other types that fear abandonment, like fours tend to feel, you know, fear being abandoned, but it's different. Um, sixes don't want to be on their own, whereas fours actually enjoy a lot of times being on their own. It's more about that emotional, yeah, abandonment. So I think that's really important to differentiate too. Right. Very good. Okay. So let's talk about wings. Yeah. Um, I like to describe what wings are in case there's someone listening that doesn't know what they are, Mm -hmm. but wings are the two numbers that are to the side of the six, so the seven and the five. And I like to also say that wings are resources because we can use either or, or we can use both equally. And so some people tend to lean towards one side more than the other. Um, And I'm, I'm one of those people. I have a very strong two wing and I, try very intentionally to reach over to the nine and, and relax a little bit more. <laughs> um, I need to do that. But um, what about you? What's your stronger wing, a five or a seven? Yeah, definitely a seven for me. Um, okay. And it's kind of fun because my brother and I, we're just 20 months apart. We're both sixes and he has oh, wow. more of a five wing and I have okay. more of a seven wing. So while there's a lot in common, we are really <laughs> different, um, right. which I okay. think is so fun because so many times I've heard people say and clients say, well, I feel like I can't be this type because so-and-so is this type and we're so different. And wings are really one of those things that allows you to be driven by the same core motivation and yet look so different on the outside. So me, what I see is my seven wing coming out is I'm still very focused on, am I safe and secure here? But if I feel safe and secure, then I can be more fun loving and more adventurous and more wild and do, you know, some like crazy things that maybe aren't so, um, proper or (laughs) allowed, you know, I'm a little bit more rebellious in that space. And, um, I know that we'll talk about subtypes too, and I'm more that counterphobic six that tends to be a little bit more rebellious as well. But I think that seven part of me is just really come out in the last few years of, um, more claiming my space. I think a lot of sixes, we tend to live in the background. Um, and we don't really like step up and own our space. So it's so random, but even things like what I wear, like I wear bolder prints. Now I wear bolder earrings. Mm. I'm, I feel like I've given myself permission to be fun. And I also think for sixes, um, we are such, we can be such serious people, especially if life was really hard growing up because we're so focused on, am I safe? Am I protected? Is this okay? And so rather than just like being a kid or enjoying our life, we're, we're, protective and being so serious. And so I think that seven has felt really healing to me in a lot of ways that I could actually be a kid a little bit. I can get in touch with that childish, childlike spirit. And that has felt really healing. Right. I love how you have even allowed that to show in what you wear. That's really cool Mm -hmm. that you've given yourself permission. I like the way you said that. That's great. Um, And do you ever see tendency of tendencies of a five wing? Or were there situations maybe in your life or times in your life that you felt that that was more prominent? Yeah, I think so. I, for me, I feel like it shows up more as protective, actually. If I feel less safe, I tend to go more inward. I tend to become more private and kind of process mentally. Um, So that's for me. For my brother, the way that his five wing comes up is he is an avid reader. Like he loves reading, studying. And so his skepticism comes up and it's kind of like nourished with, um, reading and documentaries and, you know, like true crime things. Like he loves those things, but he loves, you know, digging into it. And so I, I think I probably, 
maybe had a little bit more five in me when I was younger. And then now as an adult, as an adult, I'm really focused on that part of me that never got to play. Like my childhood was hard. (laughs) And so I'm like, as an adult, I'm trying to cultivate more fun and joy in my life. And so I've almost fully gone into that seven where I'm like, everything is fun. This is so fun looking for the joy, (laughs) which has felt good. And I think that seven wing can sometimes look a little bit like me going to a nine in that health space as well. Yeah. So there's that makes sense. And I'm sure with being an entrepreneur and having your own businesses, that that seven wing also helps there comes into play, helping you Mm -hmm. to be more extroverted and and positive, I think, <laughs> as a yeah, six, I'm like, I'm scared. So I don't know what to, how to make any decision. <laughs> like, I will never know for sure if it's a good idea. But the seven, I think, allows me to just go for it and right. see how it goes and not take it personally if things in business don't go amazingly at first, which would be my yeah. natural tendency. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you mentioned that when you are healthy and integrating that you go to a nine. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah. So, and maybe you've talked about this on other episodes too, but I think this can sometimes be confusing to new folks of the Enneagram because it's not that we become a different number. It's that we can grow towards that number in terms of, so as a six, my health number, the one that I look like when I'm doing really well is the healthy side of the nine. So all of a sudden my anxious self, my maybe pessimistic scared self becomes more positive and optimistic and relaxed and at peace in the world, feeling safe and comfortable. And so that's what I mean when I say I go to a nine, I don't live in that kind of autopilot six space. I'm more awake and I'm choosing a healthier balance for myself in that nine space. So, and then the stress number for the six is the three. So I move from being really people focused and engaged and um, what not to being fairly self-centered and in protective mode, I can become more competitive, more pushy, um, d- focused on winning <laughs> rather than right. the whole team spirit. So yeah. again, I don't become a three, but some of those qualities come up in me when I'm not doing as well. So that path right. has been really helpful for me to understand the full spectrum yeah. of my personality, not just yeah. that I am a six. That's good. And as you mentioned that the six goes to the healthy side of nine um, in integration, mm-hmm. this, in the same way it goes to the unhealthy side of a three. So yeah, it's, yeah taking on those unhealthy characteristics. Um, I know one also is that a six is already a little bit hesitant to try new things, but right. when you're unhealthy, even more so because there's that fear of failing. Yeah. And well, looking stupid right. is the worst. <laughs> right. Exactly. Failing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that um, I usually see when I'm talking to people that it's kind of more of an automatic thing to go to the healthy side, but it takes a lot more intentionality to go up to a nine in your case. Do you find that? Yeah. Um, I think you said that backwards, but I think what what you meant was it's very natural to go to the unhealthy side. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like an automatic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny too, when I One of the things that I think was most, I use this word lightly, especially as a therapist myself, but traumatic. Um, When I realized that three was my unhealthy number because I looked at my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've spent so much of my life there. And so I think part of my healing too has been realizing that and being like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's actually not who I am. And so like when I look back at my life and think, 
there were really two kind of paths for me. I could easily see myself have moving, you know, having moved to like New York city or Chicago and just been like a crazy businesswoman, you know, that just right. rose to the top. Cause I have that, that energy sometimes that is like very driven. Um, yeah. but I know that I would have like had a panic attack situation happening, or I would have had a heart attack at 35 or something, <laughs> you know, um, if that would have been my life, because that's not a healthy space for me. And I, I never realized that that was unhealthy, but it's so much right. of where my anxiety was housed in that space. Mm. And so for me, you know, I used to work, my old boss was a three. And so okay. that was really interesting for me because I'm like, your workload <laughs> is so intense. And right. there's a part of me that's like, okay, I could do that. I could keep up and also wanting to please him. Cause I, we had a great relationship and I really adored him and respected him. But now realizing that like your pace is actually really unhealthy for me. And so I need to be really mindful about setting limits and saying no mm -hmm. to projects that are beyond my scope of work or that are just like, that is a great idea. I would love to start that in three weeks for you. Yes. <laughs> you know, so um, that, right. it was a real game changer in work dynamics too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. That's good. So let's talk about subtypes that you've mentioned a couple times. Yeah. And um, you mentioned that you fall into the intimate subtype or the sexual mm -hmm. subtype. And then we have the self-preservation and also yeah. the social subtype. And it's interesting with the six because I wanted to specifically talk with you about subtypes because the six has what we know as the phobic and the counterphobic mm -hmm. that people hear and sometimes yeah. don't realize that that's actually referring to the three different instincts that come into play. Right. Um, and these instincts are also things that each of us have a little bit of, but there's one that comes out at the top, the one, there's one that we use the most. And so in your case, um, as a sexual six or an intimate six, how does that look to you? Yeah. So I will say the way that I always teach the difference between phobic six, which is the dominant and the self-pres instinct and the counterphobic six dominant in the sexual or intimate instinct, or sometimes called the one-to-one -one, is particularly around how we relate to authority and threats. Mm -hmm. So the phobic six tends to be more submissive or passive with authority. Mm -hmm. They tend to be more trusting and go all in kind of from the get-go. In the face of threats, phobic sixes tend to, what I say, get small they tend to kind okay. of shrink down and just go with the flow and kind of hope like if I just blend in, I will avoid the threat or um, it won't affect me too much. It's kind of going right. inward. Whereas a counterphobic six, when with authority, they tend to be more rebellious. They tend yep. to kind of approach any sort of human, but particularly authority with this sort of fear or skepticism of, I'm not going to trust you until you prove trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it tends to be more that rebellious side. And then in the face of threats, sixes, counterphobic sixes tend to what I call get big. So they tend to kind of puff up a little bit and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, the intention in our head <laughs> is I'm going to appear intimidating to kind of ward off this danger. Um, so right. this is so funny. I'll give you a real life example. I saw this happening in my life. So a few years ago, my husband and I, he was a resident director on a college campus. So we lived on grounds. And this is when a lot of shootings were happening on campuses right. around the world. And I, there was this guy walking across one of the parking lots and he had a hood on and I couldn't really see him. I mean, he just looked, 
I don't know the, you know, it's probably a six in me that was like, he looks sketchy. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> and did he actually look sketchy? I don't know. Um, but it was like the heat of summer and you have a hood and I'm like, that's a, a baggy sweater. Maybe you're hiding a gun in there. I don't know. So right. six of yeah. me, I realized, but, um, I thought, and this all happened so rapidly, I could either walk around this van so that he won't see me, or I could walk in front of the van so that he sees me and I just look at him. So he knows that I see him and immediately chose to walk in front of the van. And I just like stared at him as he walked by. And then I realized what was happening and I kind of laughed And that for me, I was like, wow, that is the most counterphobic thing I think I've ever done. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's like, I'm actually still scared. So it's this weird way that we manage our fear. But I think for counterphobics, they're more scared if they can't see what's happening. Like I feel like I could be more prepared if I, if I were watching him, then if he Mm -hmm. did pull out a weapon, I would know immediately. Now in logic, what would I do? (laughs) He'd probably just shoot me first. So it made no sense, but I think that's a really interesting example of kind of the difference. Um, and so again, that's kind of an extreme example, but, um, just that's great. Okay. That's great Running because towards. it helps people picture. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And so, well, one more thing about the um, counterphobic sixes that they can sometimes appear as eights. Yes. Because of that intimidating, uh, like coming across as intimidating. Right. Absolutely. So, and I think sixes get mistyped a lot because the phobic six can often look like a two, being very cooperative, mm-hmm. very warm, very engaging and loving. The social six can often get mistyped as a one because they're very dutiful and rules are where they find their security and safety and counterphobics or that sexual six can often mistype as an eight. So the difference is like, I I will say eights will never mistype as sixes, but sixes will mistype as exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because we look like eights on the outside, but under there's still the fear and insecurity and eights don't feel that. Right. Exactly. Okay. And so the other thing I was going to say is let's talk a little bit about the social six because there is a third type. Um, and I, and as you said, it appears like a one sometimes, very black and white thinking, um, very uh, observant of the rules and wanting to follow the rules. Um, do you have any examples for us of what that would look like? Because a lot of times I think we focus on the phobic and counterphobic, but there is a third type of yeah. six. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this six, especially as social, part of that social dynamic is being really focused on the group. So even more so than the phobic or counterphobic or that self-press and sexual subtype, the social six is really focused on the common good. Like what's right. really best for the group. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones can be a little bit more self-protective. Like I want what's good for the group, but I am not going to sacrifice my own safety. Whereas a, a social mm-hmm. six tends to feel more at home or even safer in a group. Um, which I think is really unique in that way. Um, but yeah, big rule followers often, like I said, get mistyped as ones because they are really fixated on that social, um, those dynamics and the, the structure. I think yeah. these sixes really find their home in community groups, whether it's a church or a sports league or some sort of dynamic like that, where it's like they just love being engaged in that way. And it's almost like yeah. that becomes another identity for them. Like, who am I outside of this group? So I think that's important. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about sixes subtypes too is a lot of times sixes will flip from one to the other. They will mm. 
and that's, I think, you know, we, all the numbers have those three subtypes, but it's, when we talk about the sixes, it's often, there's two types of sixes. Well, there's actually three types of every number, Yeah. but why the sixes I think get so much attention in that way is because they look so starkly different, that self-pres right. and that sexual. And so a lot of times what I tell people sixes is if you notice yourself flipping from being really warm, really cooperative, really team focused, really supportive to rebellious and mm-hmm. rejecting and defensive in that way, ask yourself what just shifted with my level of safety and what, how was my trust just rocked? Because I will watch myself do it in the same conversation. If, if there's a leader, for example, particularly if I'm just meeting him. So I will say a while ago, I, my husband and I, after just moving to this area, we're just looking for like, is there a church community that we want to be a part of around here? So we went to a church yeah. and started out and I was like really engaged, really supportive. And then one the pastor that was speaking said something that really rubbed me wrong and I felt mm-hmm. it in my gut. And so for the rest of the time of him speaking, I just was arguing every in my head, arguing <laughs> everything he said. And so it's right. like, whoa, what just happened? I went from so engaged and like, haha, this is funny. I'm engaging and trusting to like, how dare you, you know, say yeah. that. And this sort yeah. of really protective because what he said felt offensive to a people group that feels really important to me and I okay. feel protective of. And so right. I just tuned him out and was like, never going back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, pay attention to that, you know, yeah. when you what just shifted with your level of safety or trust with that person? That's really good. That's really good. And I, I think, um, actually, that brings me to one more point that I think we have time to talk about. I keep adding things here. Um, so a six, you mentioned this earlier, I believe, that a six um, can kind of argue with himself or herself back uh-huh. and forth a lot because they're saying, well, it could be this, but it could be that. And I could right. feel this way, but I have, but I have to right. look at this. Um, and then also a six, I think kind of this goes along with it too. A six can also, um, you kind of mentioned this just now, feel one way in a minute, in a moment, or act one way in a moment. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they can be kind of down and moody. And then all of a sudden they can flip and they're happy and yep. everything's fine. Um, so what that made me think of was the fact that the type six has a committee inside their head. Mm-hmm. So I, as a type one, I deal with the internal critic. And it's really interesting to me, I've talked to a group of sixes in the past and to hear them talk about something that's similar to them, but mm-hmm. it's more of a committee. It's more of several voices and what that looks like and what that feels like. I think it's important for people to understand. Um, just like with me, I've had people say, wow, they learn what a one is like. And they say, you really deal with that inner critic all the time. Like you really have that voice inside your head. And so I think it's important that people understand with fixes too, that kind of internal um, dynamic that's going on with you guys. I've heard people say that it's like, you know, just being in the shower and almost like having this conversation going on in your head. Um, what does that look like for you? Do you feel that dynamic? Yeah, very much. Um, and I think, I think that's important to say because just like the inner critic, that one really harsh, loud inner voice for the one is unique to ones. Other types don't experience that. The inner committee is unique to sixes and other types don't experience that. And it, it is hard to explain what it's like sometimes, <laughs> but it, it, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Yes. Okay. Love that Headquarters, movie. me too. Oh my gosh. The therapist definitely helped write that. It is so well done. I love it. It's so, so great. 
It is fantastic. Um, but that headquarters in Riley's head or in all of the characters' head, that's what it feels like. So it's wow, like that's good. A, it's like a table with multiple voices sitting around. And it is sometimes cool because it's like, oh, wow, I can see so many different ideas and perspectives. But mm-hmm. it is most of the time really exhausting because mm-hmm. it is basically this is what it sounds like if we go this way, then this will happen and then it will lead to this and then that will go this way and then you'll have this outcome. Okay, but if we go this way, then this will happen and that will happen and then we'll have this outcome. But it's like that six times. And so it's not constantly on everything, but there are certain decisions. If I don't have an initial, like easy kind of decisions, particularly owning my own business and so much is new, I have felt it so loudly in the last year and a half since I've started my business because I'm doing so many new things and I don't yeah. know how to do them and I don't have the knowledge and I don't have a team to talk it out. Um, right. And so a lot of times I'm like writing things out on paper, like, okay, well, here are my options and pros and consing them or, yeah. or talking them out with a friend or, you know, something to kind of help me make sense of all the thoughts in my head and pick the one that is the best idea. And yeah. I think two for sixes, it's so important to remember that it's, literally almost impossible to feel like it's the right decision Mm. because we see so many options and the voices in our head are not dumb. It's like, Oh, that's a good point. Oh, but that's a good point. (laughs) So it's like, we're really smart, which makes it hard. (laughs) So I think sometimes, particularly as a business owner, the reality is like, you just have to go with one, the one that you think is best. Or if you don't know which one is best, just any, mini, miny, mo and pick one. And and see how it comes out. And then, okay. you know, Marie Forleo, who's the businesswoman that I really like, says action com- or clarity comes with action. So mm. for a six, we can't think our way to the right decision. We really have to just go for something that we think maybe is a good option right. and find the best as we continue to go and refine. Okay. And so what would be a, t- a tip or two that you could give to another six? when they're, let's use that table scenario and picture that table with all these different people giving their opinion or a scene from inside out when all the different characters are talking, how do you come to that moment where you slam your hand on the table and say, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. What we're doing. Well, it's almost never in that moment. So I think that's really important because in that moment, it feels impossible because all the decisions feel like good points or all of the options feel like good points. So what I do and what I recommend is turn it off, like turn off your mind by going and doing something physical. So for me, it could be as simple as walking out to my mailbox and checking the mail and sitting outside for 10 minutes, or it could Mm -hmm. be cooking something like handmade, like not heating something up in a microwave, but like really doing something with my hands that will turn my brain off for 10 minutes or, um, yoga is huge for sixes. I think we often, because we're such head people, we think so much, mm-hmm. we get panicked when our head can't solve the problem, which mm-hmm. makes us feel more frightened. And then we get into this like anxious cycle. cycle. Yeah. yeah. And so particularly if we're counterphobic, there's this tendency to want to like force an answer like, oh, I, I can figure this out. I can do this. But that only increases your anxiety. What you really need to do, what's more strategic and self-loving and compassionate is to take a break and get quiet because I think for us, especially when we can turn our brains off 
and get really in touch with our hearts, that's where our creativity lies. That's where our truth really is. And so if you can break and then see just what comes up, like what ideas are coming back? You might have had 10 different options, but is there one or two that keep coming to mind throughout the next 24 hours? And you don't even need to think in depth, just notice it. And then when you come back, maybe you know in your spirit, maybe you know in your gut what really is the right decision, but you couldn't hear that because your mind was so being analytical. And so turn your mind off, get quiet, be still with your body and see what your intuition rises up. And I think that's so crucial because sixes really struggle usually to trust themselves. And so forcing an answer when when we're in that mental cycle only is going to perpetuate that I can't trust myself, that I can't figure it out. And so when we quiet and trust our intuition that like our ideas, our truth will come rise up, then it's like, Oh, it really does. And then we can learn like, Oh, I can trust myself. She just needs a break. Yeah. (laughs) She's just tired or he's just tired. Just like let your mind rest and then watch them do their work, you know, and give them some space. So no, that's really good. That actually helps me to, like I mentioned with my son, that there's a lot of times where we get to to a point where I realize we're not going to get further than this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I've been doing that with him just saying, okay, you know what, let's stop this particular thing for now. And we're going to come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Just to, I've realized that otherwise it just gets to be more and more of a cycle. So that's really good. That helps me to be able to put that into perspective more. That's really yeah. good. Good. I'm glad. So tell us what is your favorite thing about being a six? Mm, Wow. Okay. My favorite thing about being a six, and I kind of laugh because I'm like, maybe I do this. I'm thinking about my unconscious motivations. Uh (laughs) Maybe I do this because I want it in return from other people, which I think is what we all do to some extent. But I think I love that I create a safe space for other people. And I see that most with clients, whether in therapy that I used to do or coaching now, it's like people generally feel really safe with me. Mm -hmm. And I love that about myself. Um, And I know what it means to hold people's words and their vulnerability and confidence. And, and I, so again, that unconscious motivation of, I long for other people to be that safe space for me where I feel at right. ease and I can be my yeah. whole messy, ugly self, let it all hang out and still be wanted and accepted mm-hmm. in that space. And so yeah. that is the most touching when I experience that. And so I think that's what makes that so important for me to offer others. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's my good. favorite thing. Yeah, that's good. And I think too, it's funny because sometimes maybe the six wouldn't see it this way, but I think you guys really have the market on safety and security because Mm. you have thought everything out so many times. You've thought out all the angles. You're probably the most prepared. And so I I think that that's true. I think you guys do create that space, even though a lot of times you feel like you haven't found the solution yet, or you're still feeling unsafe. I think you really do provide that for others. I know a friend of mine that's a six and I know that whenever she's around, we're going to have everything we need, mm-hmm. whether it's physical or just an answer. I know that we're going to yeah. have it when we need it. Or that she'll help you figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So that's the flip side of that. That yeah. I'm not a six, but I do find that safe place in mm-hmm. sixes that I know. So that's really good. Okay. So what would be your biggest struggle as a six? Oh, wow. Um, 
I think it is that constant battle with not trusting myself that I find most challenging because, and I, I've really had to like wake up to what that actually looks like in my life. But yeah. I would say a few years ago, what it looked like is constantly checking in with other people. Is this a good decision? Do you think I should do this? I get 12 people's opinions before I make a decision. Um, and so that's just like so exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I imagine. Yeah. So like, that's a lot. I would say now what that looks like for me, I think I get less people's opinions. And as I've been like doing my work of learning to trust myself, it's not as hard in that way, but I still think just even like a one, it's like, you guys are more excellent than anyone else. And yet you're constantly striving to be more perfect mm -hmm. or like uh, fives. They never feel like they know enough, but they're smarter than the rest of us. And like us, like we're more prepared than the rest of people, but we feel like we're not. So there's that, there's yeah. that part that's so hard that is like the thing that we're longing for, we're actually better at than most other types. And that's yet great. we feel like we're not because we feel like we don't have it. And so yeah, I think in terms of trusting myself, particularly in business, when it all feels new, like I, I was looking at my income yesterday and it's just, I like had a moment where I like started to tear up because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm really doing it. Like I have, <laughs> and I'm not crazy about money and it's not even that much, it's not that much money. Um, right. But I looked at my income from quarter one of last year and then quarter one of this year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I tripled what I was making. Like, and wow. just also clarify last year I was in the negatives. So again, <laughs> I'm booming, but just that. Right moment for me. And maybe it was like my inside spirit or something kind of saying like, wow, you're doing it. Yeah. And I, I looked at my husband and I said, oh my gosh. And he said, what, what are you thinking? And I said, I'm really doing it. <laughs> and it kind of That's made great. me nervous in my stomach because I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I really can do what I set out for. And I don't have to be so scared that I'm going to fail or that I'm going to, that I don't have the capacities within me to make my dream life happen. I can really do this, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I think those little moments are really powerful in helping me heal that. But in the yeah. day to day, I see it coming up a lot, which is a really, it can be really tough and feels really like suffocating and self-sabotaging. And yeah. so it, it is a constant wrestle. I feel like I'm wrestling with myself <laughs> a yeah. lot. No, that yeah, way. that makes sense. And I think too, that makes me think of a point that's good for sixes. It's, I think it's very important for a six to put a stake in the ground whenever there's that moment of look at what I've done or look at what I've accomplished. Yeah. Um, or like, um, I also grew up in church and just that like building an altar, like mm. I'm going to make a monument right here. Um, I have my son already making, he has a journal of his fears and his victory. Because I think it's so important for you guys to be able to look back and say, wait a second, I've been here before, Yes. not trusting myself, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing how to do it, but this is what happened and I did it and I made it this far. If I did that, I can do anything. And so I think that's yes. so important for you guys. I think that's really Yeah, fun. that's so good. I had a mantra for a while that was basically just saying that it's like, I don't know what will happen, but I know that I've made it through everything else before, so mm -hmm. I can make it through this too. Yeah. And that was really powerful yeah. for me because that unknown can freak me out, but it's like, yeah. okay, I, my life has been really kind of hard <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah. growing up. So like, if I can make it through that, I can make it through this. And yeah. I think that has felt really empowering. Um, 
And even one thing that we hadn't talked about, but I do think is important to mention for sixes is the second guessing, not just of if I can trust myself, but also in relationships. I know a lot of sixes and I do it less now than I ever have, but it felt really real, used to feel really real for me. And every once in a while, still in a relationship, like if a friend kind of leaves me hanging or if I don't hear back from them after I reached out or something, there's this kind of, uh oh, what did I do? Is the relationship right. being this sort of second guessing? around like, is this person going to leave me? And I think yeah. that can sometimes lead to self-sabotage too, because sixes don't want to be hurt. So sometimes we wind up ending a relationship mm. in order to self-protect or like just right. writing it off as a self-protection when the other person is like, what? No, I just I forgot to get back to you. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, so I think sixes can be a little self-absorbed in that way, but yeah. what we're doing is being self-protective. But I think that is something that I, I know a lot of sixes would say is one of the hardest things for them, kind of constantly yeah. feeling that need for other people, but yet the fear that they're going to leave and that push and pull can right. be really intense. Right. That's good. And that leads me to my final question for you, which is what would you say is the thing that you need from those that are closest to you, your family, your husband, the people that know you the most, what do you need from them to be your healthiest version? Mm, wow, that is a powerful question. Mm -hmm. I love that question. That makes my therapist heart so proud, just saying, what do you <laughs> um, Well, so I'm thinking my initial reaction is very much associated to the one-to-one -one subtype. So let me, uh, let me say that first, and then I'll see if anything okay. else. Um, I think for me, um, a regular even check-in Mm -hmm. of just saying like, I see you. Mm -hmm. My husband, like I've mentioned is a nine. So, so yeah. Nick, um, needs a lot less relational connection than me. <laughs> He's also right. dominant in self-pres. Um, and okay. that, so it's like, we're just completely different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in terms of like relational needs. And so I used to very much feel like I'm too much, like he's not right. interested in me. I love him more than he loves me. And in reality, mm -hmm. I mean, that was early on in our marriage and every once in a while, I'll be honest, that still comes up a little bit, <laughs> but we talk about it a lot now and I right. tell myself that's actually not true. Um, what yeah. is true is his relational desire is less than mine. And that doesn't, for as much, like he, he said to me once we were talking about this, he said, I love you more than I love any other human in the world. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? It doesn't feel like it. It's like, yeah, imagine what they feel like. <laughs> so we just laughed. I'm like, okay. This is good. This is good. So yeah. I think for me though, having people check in and say, Hey, I'm thinking of you, even a simple, I'm thinking of you reminds me, Oh, you're here for me and yeah. you've got me and we're still in a close relationship. And that feels really sacred and important. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I think any six, I probably maybe love that more as a one-to-one subtype, but I think, yeah. any, I think any six that would mean a lot too. Um, right. probably self-pres too would be, um, well, I guess I don't need to answer for them, but what I would think of <laughs> was like helping out responsibilities. I mean, sixes tend to feel really overly responsible for everything, making sure the world goes around, especially yeah. around the house. And so for people to step up and help with things to relieve them from that overwhelming pressure right. is a game changer too. So yeah. that as well. Um, yeah. Hey, can you put like, you know, and for me to not have to ask for things is awesome. Um, right. I'm also like, we can, it's unhealthy to expect people to read our minds. So like subtle little hints about, could you do the laundry? Like that's yeah. just to serve anybody. So let's, 
let me just be clear that that's not helpful, but right. <laughs> one is like, Hey, I noticed that laundry needs to be done. I will do, I'm in charge of that this week. It's like, Oh my God, thank you. You know? Yeah. So that kind of, yeah. of just being in touch with me and, um, saying, how can I, how can I be there? Be supportive for you means a lot. Right. So good. That's great. Well, I guess, um, we could probably keep talking for a while more. There's so many aspects to talk about and to learn about but I think we covered the basics and I really appreciate everything that you were able to share with us. Um, before we um, tie this up, can you tell us where people can find you and what services you offer? I know that you're involved in a couple different um, things. So let us know. Yeah. How we can yeah. do that. Um, well, thank you for having me. It's so fun. I know that sure. I told you before the interview, I I'm, have been on several podcasts that's normally about the Enneagram or about business. And so I don't often get to talk about right. what it's like to be a six. So this is really special for me. So thank you. Um, and I know that it will relate with a lot of folks too. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, um, I agree. So I do um, Enneagram and life coaching primarily. And then, um, and so if people are interested in that, they can find me on Instagram at full and free Enneagram really about becoming your fullest self and feeling free to express that in the world. That is very much like true to my soul. So at full and free Enneagram on Instagram. Um, and then also my personal page is at Christy rolls underscore. So they can find me there. And then I also uh, run a, I co-lead a group with a friend, um, who actually you interviewed for the type three, type yes. three, Steph. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. Steph Baron Hall and I co-lead a group called the coaching biz activator, which is really for any coaches out there, whether it's, um, Enneagram coaches, life coaches, health coaches, fitness coaches, um, finance coaches, any kind of coach out there who really wants to have a thriving business. We really help them build a business that they love that actually pays them and gets them clients. And that's really fulfilling. So they can find us at, um, at coaching biz activator underscore on Instagram as well. And then my website for speaking events, workshops, individual coaching, all the fun things is christyrolls.com. So I'm around, come find me friends. Yes. And I will put those, all those things in the notes too. But thank you so much. This was very great. And I know it's going to be so helpful for people that think that they may be a six or know that they're a six or live with a six and interact yes. with a six. It's so helpful to be able to understand more and to heal, hear real life examples too. So thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. To get to know today's guest even more, you will find links to their personal accounts in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to the Discover Freedom podcast. Continue to learn more about the Enneagram by following along on Instagram at Enneagram underscore Discover Freedom. You can also find me online at www.mistyescobar.net to learn more about the coaching services that I offer. This is Misty Escobar, and I hope you'll connect with me again next week as we hear from another Enneatype.